This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Thank you very much. Children, you are dismissed. In the beginning, there was an unstoppable plan, an arrangement that was so outrageous that all nature was created just to accomplish its ends. And the whole vastness of uncreation, the whole expanse of non-existence couldn't impede our insuppressible God from creating a universe out of his simple insistence. For that which may look like an obstacle is really just proof that our God is unstoppable. And ours, ours is a history filled with obstacles. From the lies of the serpent to whom God promised his seal, to the fruit of the tree that he promised would kill, from the murderous Cain that brought forth Abel's crying blood, to the worldwide epidemic of sin that called down the flood, from the massive Red Sea that stood in Israel's way, to the chariots that pursued her so that she may be slain, from the mocking giant that stood between David and his crown, to the giant walls of Jericho that without a touch came tumbling down from wild beasts like Daniel's lions and Jonah's enormous fish. <laughs> Nothing can stop our God from doing all that he may wish because that which may look like an obstacle is really just proof that our God is unstoppable. And nowhere is this truth more true than in the truth of Emmanuel. Because it truly is incalculable to try to count the number of plans that had to take place for God to be born as a babe in Bethlehem. But neither Mary or the manger or Herod or his wise men were outside the woven fabric of God's forbearing intention. From the womb that bore him to the hands that raised him. From the coins that bought him to the lips that betrayed him. From the cords that bound him to the crowd that abased him. From the whips that scourged him to the crown that debased him. From the nails that held him to the cross that slay him. Everything that man and Satan could do to subdue him was only and always part of God's plan to do through him. Because even in the crucifixion, that which may look like an obstacle is really just proof that our God is unstoppable. For even as he lay in the grave, God's power became uncomfortable. Because death laying claim to our God is absolutely unsuitable. So he altered the unalterable, revoked the irrevocable, made vulnerable the invulnerable. God made death and his grave the main stage for his most remarkable surprise. He made the end of life its beginning through the death burial and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. So now, neither death, sin, nor Satan, not
not man or the wars he wages, not powers, leaders, or thrones, not martyrdom, tortures, or woes, not our apathy, greed, or hypocrisy, not the plans or strongholds of the enemy. Nothing can shake the unshakable inevitability of our God's mighty intent. Because anything that even seems with God's plans to contend are really just the means by which he is accomplishing his ends. So may we never forget to ponder the imponderable fact that whatever God plans is completely unavoidable because that which may look like an obstacle is really just proof that our God is unstoppable. Amazing, huh? The time was 1988. My wife and I took a trip to Mexico. We took a trip to Mexico, and I'll never forget as we were presenting the gospel, we were reminded that our God is unstoppable. And today, church, I want to talk to you about not just the unstoppable God, but the unstoppable church, the unstoppable community, and the unstoppable Christian. And in our lives, we get stopped and we're hindered by many obstacles of life. And yet, we have to remember that our God is bigger, He's greater, and I think that uh, spoken word really just took the word of God and blew it out of proportion. But that is the power of God. We sometimes are limited by His power when we realize that we feel somewhat subdued because of our shame and our pain and the sin that's in our life. So I go back to Mexico, and I'll never forget that moment as we were out there and we're presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we're inviting so many young people and adults to come just to see a movie called The Burning Hell, because we wanted people to see that Jesus Christ is the risen Lord, that He is our risen Savior. And I'll never forget, it was me and another gentleman, and some of you may have heard the story, I haven't, I haven't shared it in years. But we were approaching, and I, I can still picture the dirt road, and I can still picture, you know, just the scenery. And now I can picture the sound that I heard coming towards us. And it wasn't a sound of sheep or goat. It wasn't the sound of uh, cattle, or it wasn't the sound of horses. It wasn't even the sound of people. But it seemed like it was a sound of many dogs. Big, large, ferocious Dachshunds, just kidding. German shepherds. And in Mexico, I really do believe that what, however they interbred them, interbreed them, whatever they do, I've never seen these kind of snarling, slobbering, mean-looking, scary-looking dogs. Am I painting a good picture for you this morning? Okay, that's all I needed to do. Because it didn't matter if they were this big or if they were this big, I was afraid. And so I heard him, roo, 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 roo. And it wasn't just one, it was several. And as they were rounding the corner to approach us, I was just a little bit afraid. Just a little bit afraid. But something overcame me. And it was the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it was... Just at that time, in that moment, that the guy looked at me and said, what are we going to do? Are we going to run? I said, there's nowhere to run. Where are we going to run? They're all together. It's a pack of dogs. They're going to eat us alive. I'm never getting back to the United States of America. I will not see. To, all this stuff's going through my head. And then it hit me. Oh, but we have power through Jesus Christ. And I remembered as those dogs came around in that corner, 
I did one of these numbers. I marched towards them as they were marching towards me, and I don't know how fast I was doing it because I was probably in my head. I felt like I was like David and Goliath, but in reality, I didn't feel so much like that. I felt like I was this big, and I probably looked like the most juicy piece of meat to that dogs or those dogs. And so I looked at the guy, and he's like, okay, you got this? I'm like, yeah, you got this. You know how stuff flashes through your head in the matter of 30 seconds, and you feel like you're like, and it seemed like it was an hour and a half. I was like freaking out. And here they come. They were coming closer and closer and closer. And I said, stop in the name of Jesus. Meanwhile, I didn't move. They didn't move. And I kept my finger pointing. And the dirt just went flying. And they all stopped. They looked at me. I looked at them. They looked at me, and I kept looking at them. The guy next to me said, what are we going to do now? I said, follow me. It was like Jesus parted the Red Sea. We walked straight through those dogs. I said, do not turn around. Keep walking and keep walking and keep walking. What took place was that a situation at that moment, fear overcame us. Fear overcame me, and it's a reality. But I knew at that moment that I had to trust in God, that he was an unstoppable God. I was there for a purpose. It was to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was to continue to fulfill the mission and commission that God called us to do. You see, some things in our life are evident that we see. We might see a dog. We might see the enemy coming at us. And it could be tangible. We can touch it. We can feel it. You can see just the the weapons of warfare. But what about some of the weapons of warfare that we cannot see? Because, you see, people are stopped in their tracks by all kinds of things. We're all stopped in our tracks by all kinds of things. Sadly, I've known people are stopped in their tracks relationally. I was stopped in my tracks by an animal. But maybe for some of you, you've got burned in a relationship or even in a marriage. They thought the relationship was unstoppable, but but sadly it came to an end. Either consciously or subconsciously, they decided to never to allow anyone to ever get that close to them ever again. And I am aware of situations where people have been stopped in their tracks, even vocationally. Like those teachers who want to make a difference in the lives of their students. They're struggling with whether their efforts are really making a difference. Wondering if the students even care if their job will be discontinued after the next round of budget cuts. Because they're waiting just for that levy to pass. They're tempted to quit trying or to just get by with minimal effort. Or think about that person who is unemployed. They have sent out so many resumes. Still no job. Very few leads. If that is you, maybe you feel like giving up. You feel like you have been stopped in your tracks. And I know, I've, I, know I have known people who have been stepped or stopped on or in their tracks spiritually. And when you feel like you've been stopped spiritually, what do you do? Something has happened to them. Something happened to cause them to either give up on the church, give up on their faith, or give up on God. Some of you might have called it quits in some other area of your life and no one else knows about the decisions that you've made. But you have thrown in the towel. Maybe you're still going through the motions for the time being at least, but your heart isn't in it, whatever it is. You've been stopped. In your tracks. And if you've ever felt like quitting or are facing obstacles that are insurmountable, I have good news for you. You are in the right place today. You were meant to be here today. And today we're going to be digging into what it means to be unstoppable. There's an unstoppable faith that is available to every single one of us. No matter what obstacles and outward circumstances seem to stand in our way, God is greater. 
God is greater. Then whatever it is that stands in your way and His all-surpassing power is available to us today. God is ready to enable you to stand strong, not lose heart, and to not give up. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm by your side. I'm running with you. I'm running toward you. I'm running beside you. Our God is unstoppable. I gave you proof that this morning I had to practice it at a young age of 18 years of age. But the power of Jesus Christ rested upon my lips and in the ears of a wild dog or a pack of wild dogs. This morning, do you believe God is greater? Do you believe our God is stronger? Do you believe that he is more powerful? Church, let's not just come to church. Let's be the church. Let's be the community. And let's be the awesome, unstoppable Christian. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. And in the next few minutes, Lord, help us to take your word. Help me to speak it with clarity. And Lord, I pray that you'll help me to bring to life, much like the gentleman did through the spoken word, Help us to make it three-dimensional so that we can see just the power that you possess, that we can also possess, Lord, as we live our life in you. Bless your word. Hide me behind the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, please take your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter 4. That's Acts chapter 4. That's found in the New Testament. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke. John Acts. We're going to be looking at Acts today because I believe that we're going to see just how unstoppable our God truly is. Unstoppable is the word that comes to mind when we look at the early days of the church. Conflict and controversy threatened to take the young group down, but instead of killing it, the challenges fueled the fire that spread across the first century landscape, which we're going to identify this morning. The religious leaders tried to put a muzzle on the message that Peter and John proclaimed. So let's read that together in Acts chapter 4. Here's where Peter and John are in prison, and as they spoke unto the people... The priests and the caption of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. I love that in, in, in the NIV, New Living Translation, it talks about that he spoke and lived and preached resurrection. In verse 3, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it is now eventide, it is now evening. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Amazing! 5,000 people are now hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, you following me? Now, Peter goes before the high priest here in verse 5, and it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, as many as were of the, the kindred or of the friendships of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power, by what name have you done this? Hey, I like this. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day, if we were examined, or if we were judged for, of the good deed done to the impotent man, or to the helpless man, by what means he is made whole. Be known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that the name of... Thank you. But the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at night of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. It says in the translation that he becomes the cornerstone. Amazing, isn't it? Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be. Amen. So now, now we're, we're leading up, right? So we see the gospel. 
So in verse 13, it says, now they're, they're, it's starting to happen. They're threatened, then they're released. And it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, that they were uneducated, they all marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Now, many of you could say, I just wish I was qualified. You've heard me say, Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So you're capable of it in the name of Jesus, right? You're capable of it. Now, where was I? Which verse? 14, thank you. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing about him or against him. But when they had commanded them to go outside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. They talked among themselves. They gossiped. And here's what they said in verse 16. What shall we do to these men for that indeed a notable miracle has been done by them is now manifest. It's known to all them that dwells in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. But that it is spread no further among the people, let us straightly, threat, straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them to not, you can circle that in your Bible, not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, here's the finale, you ready? But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, then judge me. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing, how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was shown. So look what took place. All right. We have to have God stories, church. If you don't have a God story, and if people can't see Christ in your life, then they don't see that your life has uh, any substance to it. Now, you can believe it or not, but I'm here to tell you today that I, I could show you my legs, but you don't want me to do that. I don't have any bite marks. The dogs stopped, right? There was evidence that in the name of Jesus, through the power of Jesus, that God does miraculous things. So it's the same thing in our daily walk and in our daily life. Why are we so, uh, I don't want to disrespect many, but why aren't we convinced that what is going on in the world, that our God isn't big enough to stop it? God can stop anything. God is capable of that. Amen, church? All things are possible when you put your faith and trust in God. So here's the two apostles. Here's the two disciples. They're doing the work of the ministry. And you start to see that miracles are taking place. You're starting to see it unfold, and they're talking about it. It says, we don't care if you put us in jail. Do whatever you want. But you see, God judges me. You might judge me, but I have a higher authority. I have a bigger God that will judge me far greater than you will. See, we get really kind of mixed up with what other people think about us. Yeah, my mom has told me before, oh, Todd, you're so sensitive. You wear your fillings on your short shirt sleeves. Right, Mom? I know you're listening. Maybe I am sensitive. It's better to, than to be mean and angry, right? But I'd much rather be sensitive in all areas of my life, but realize that my accountability doesn't lie with man, it lies with God. See, church, we have to come together as a community. We move forward as a community. So we are, we've come today for what? To come together as a community to fulfill a certain task. That is to one, be encouraged with one another. That's to come together as a community, as a church, to worship, to praise. But if you don't come to grow in Christ, what's the purpose for you being here? See, I want you to walk away gaining information so you can leave this place transformed. Amen. That we all take the word of God and then we start becoming more transformed in Jesus Christ. And so, let's just continue. So, we united praise and prayer. And being let go, they went to their own company. They went to their own friendships or their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. 
And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom you have anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto your servants that with all boldness that they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand and to heal and the signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child, Jesus. 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 And then we continue, verse 31. And when they had prayed, now watch. When they had prayed, and can we kick the air on real quick? Thank you. The place was shaken where they were assembled together. This is crazy. You mean they prayed and the place was shaken? I'm shook. Look at, I mean, look what it's saying here. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart, of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but that had all had things in common. Woohoo! Wait, we're not even done. Okay, are we ready? Because I have my, my Bible all marked up. Okay, here, verse 33. And with great power gave the apostle witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. One heart, one soul. They were possessed. They had all things in common. They had the power of God upon them. They, it says the apostles witnessed of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and there was great grace that was upon each and every one of them. Neither was there any among them that laughed, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and bought and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need of. And Joseph, who by the apostle was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation... Or it also means the son of encouragement, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. All right. Now, let me, now let me kind of bring all this stuff together. Okay, here's what it says in verse 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them to not speak or teach about the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, verse 18. Peter and John had been told on several occasions not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus at all. So when Peter and John wouldn't keep quiet, the leaders locked them up. But then God sent a messenger to restart what they had stopped. Don't you love this scene? Acts chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. I'll, I'll paraphrase it for you. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people of the full message of this new life. Woo! I'm going to get excited. Let's just praise the Lord. Come on, wake up. All right. So they're imprisoned, right? They're locked up. They're bound, chained. And an angel of the Lord appears and says, hey, come on, we have something to do. And Peter and John then started to put their faith to practice and said, okay, if you're going to show up for us, we're for you. It started right out in the beginning of Acts chapter 4 where they were already committed. They were dedicated. I get, uh, here's where the excitement comes for me. That I know that I can't do anything without Jesus Christ. I can't do anything without His power. I can't do anything without His Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Now watch. It said they were in one accord all in the same place, all doing the same thing. They were all praising, all worshiping, all praying, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, 
And they all started to preach the gospel, the saving grace, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That's really, I could get up here and give you prosperity gospel all week long, but church, claim Jesus. And if you're not walking in the Spirit, if you're not living life in the Spirit, then how are you living? Because you see, we need Jesus. We need His power. We need to be saved. When I pray over people, listen, I can give you stories of deliverance. I can give you stories. I could probably turn the, the few hairs, and some have more hairs than other on the back of your neck. Just saying. Probably would curl if I told you some stories. But I've been in front of people possessed by the devil. And I've practiced exorcisms. And in those moments, it didn't come from Todd. It came from God because nothing was coming out of an individual that it wasn't in the power of Jesus Christ. But here's what he told his apostles. This is what I think is so awesome. Here's the finale of this part of Scripture. He said, but you have the same thing. Repent. Be baptized. Walk in the Spirit. And you can do just the same things. But here I believe what is what both Peter and John was saying. Don't give in. Don't give up. They wouldn't allow themselves to get sidetracked or discouraged. They just kept keeping on. It was time for them to get back to work. Now watch what it says in verse 21 of Acts 5. At daybreak they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together at the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. He said, go back to the jail. We need to talk to those guys. But guess what? Those dudes were gone. They were out of there. Because the angel of the Lord showed up and took them out of there. Why? Because they serve an unstoppable God. Peter and John went right back to doing what God had called them to do. And the religious leaders tried to silence their message. They worked to extinguish the passion of the early church. But you see, Peter... John and the message they proclaimed were unstoppable. The New Testament church was unstoppable. And as a result, in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, it says, The word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. You know the church is unstoppable when even the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Do you guys think that DeWine has something on God? Because he doesn't. No, you have to submit and let God start to lead. No, this country, I heard Ron say it this morning in the men's class, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I'll heal that land. But we're not praying. Nobody's crying out, we're talking about it. We're crying about it, but nobody's praying about it. But you see here, no matter what kind of opposition came their way, you just can't stop what God is doing. When the church of Jesus Christ is all that is intended to be, it is an unstoppable force for God bringing hope to the world. You believe that. Let me hear you say amen. Amen. We can be a force to be reckoned with. We can pack out these walls. We can, hey, let's put people out here in chairs. Let's open up the windows. I'll put a speaker out there. Let's be like the old Billy Sunday. If we have to, we'll we'll grab and put some tents out there, right? We could do whatever. We don't need all the things that we think we need. We need to get excited about the power of God. We need to be unstoppable, not just as a church, as a community, but as a Christian. Last week you heard me talk about the Apostle Paul. Paul possessed unstoppable determination. Because why you heard me say he had unstoppable integrity. We see in Paul an unstoppable level of humility which enabled him to live an unstoppable life with an unstoppable faith which led to an unstoppable future. So let me make it personal this morning. What about you and me? How can we be unstoppable? 
Here are three characteristics of an unstoppable Christian, and I'll go through them quickly this morning. One, unstoppable Christians are filled with God's Spirit. One, unstoppable Christians are filled with God's Spirit. This is the foundational and most primary quality of all. Peter and John were preaching. They were proclaiming that a resurrection had taken place. They were talking about Jesus, and they were bold in in what they proclaimed. It is obvious that they had seen something that inspired them on the deepest level. They couldn't keep their mouths shut about it. The chief of the temple police and some Sadducees arrested him. And what happened? It threw them in jail. But already about 5,000 people had bought in and believed in the message they proclaimed. Now, if more of us Christians would stand together and believe in the message that we proclaim, woo! revival sure would take place. Family and Friends Sunday, woo! this place would be overflowing. Wouldn't it be amazing? But you'll walk out of here and you won't tell a soul. You're right, preacher. It's too much work. Do you know how I live my life outside this church? That's why I can't say anything. Mm, Kind of a harsh reality, isn't it? The next day meeting was called to discuss what to do with these two. The rulers, the religious leaders and religion scholars, along with the chief priests, everybody who was anybody was there. They stood Peter and John in the middle of the room and grilled them. They asked, who put you in charge here? What business do you have doing this with that? Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, let loose. I just wanted to warm up, okay? And here's what Peter said. Listen. Here's what he said. Rulers and leaders of all people, if we have been brought to trial today for helping a sick man, put us under investigation regarding this healing. I'll be completely frank with you. We have nothing to hide. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one you killed on a cross, the one God raised from the dead, by means of his name, this man stands before you healthy and whole. Jesus is the stone you masons threw out, which is now the cornerstone. Salvation comes no other way. No other name has been or will be given to us by which we can be saved. Only this one, the name of Jesus Christ. The people couldn't keep their eyes off Peter and John. They were just standing there, so confident and so sure of themselves. But their fascination deepened when they realized this. Peter and John were just laymen with no training in Scripture or formal education. They recognized them as companions of Jesus. But with the man who was healed standing right before them, what could they say against that? They sent Peter and John out of the room so they could work out a plan about what to do with them. By now it's known all over town with a miracle has occurred. Something happened. This man has been healed. Everyone knew that Peter and John were behind it. There's no way to refute that. But so, that it doesn't go any further, they decide they would try to silence them with threats so Peter and John won't dare to use Jesus' name ever again with anyone else. But in Acts chapter 4, it says they called them back and warned them that they would never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. See, if this sounds like Peter and John were unstoppable, It says in verses 18 and 20 of 4, they called them back and warned them that they were no account ever again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John spoke right back, whether it's right in God's eyes to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. As for us, there's no question. We can't keep quiet about what we've seen and what we've heard. Wow. I love that. Isn't that amazing? Peter and John were unstoppable. Peter and John were unstoppable. It says in verse 21, the religious leaders renewed their threats. Woohoo! Watch! But then released them. They couldn't come up with a charge that would stick, that would keep them in jail. The people would have stood that the people wouldn't have stood for it. They were all praising God over what had happened. But I don't want you to miss out on seeing how this all started. Because in verse 8 it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people. The reason Peter could do what he did and say what he said is because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot be unstoppable on your own. 
You cannot be an unstoppable Christian in your own strength. The victorious Christian life isn't just difficult, it's impossible if the Spirit of God is not living in you. We could debate all day long how you get the Holy Spirit in your life, and I'm not going to do that. I would never put God in a box and stay here. This is how God does anything every single time. I don't want to do that this morning. But I can tell you when the very first church was beginning in the book of Acts, Peter, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, tells a crowd of thousands, said, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to be an unstoppable Christian, listen to me. If you want to be an unstoppable Christian, I would say before anything else you need to be, you need to repent and be baptized. Because the Bible says clearly you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There are all kinds of unstoppable attributes the Holy Spirit provides in our lives. He provides power. He provides protection. He provides clarity and comfort and conviction and comprehension. The Holy Spirit provides understanding and insight. One of the most powerful purposes of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate our minds and to help us understand what? The truths of God's Word. And without the Holy Spirit in your life, you may grasp the information, but you will not experience the transformation that only he can bring. Yes, I will. Thank you for asking. I will repeat that. Without the Holy Spirit in your life, you may grasp the information, but you will not experience the transformation that only He can bring to you. When it comes to the truths of the Bible, it is not just about hearing it on Sunday morning. It is about going out there and living it Monday through Saturday and Sunday. Not just Sunday alone, but 24-7, 365 days a year. You may be excited and inspired on Sunday, but unless you are filled with the Spirit of God, you will not be an unstoppable Christian in the workday world. Now, God wants to provide supernatural insight, wisdom, understanding, power of living. It comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's number one. Number two, unstoppable Christians are courageous in their claims. Unstoppable Christians are courageous in in their claims. Here Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. He made an incredible and courageous claim. Salvation is found in no one else and there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Here's the translation. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only way to heaven. This is not Peter's theory or notion. He is simply repeating what Jesus had already said about himself. Jesus answered in John chapter 14, verse 6, what does it say? I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come into the Father but by me and through me. Unstoppable Christians are continually, courageously, and clearly pointing people to Jesus. This is such a simple and easy way for you to help point people to Jesus. As we look at our lives in this world, we have two choices. We can rest easy and thank God for his blessings in our lives. Just content to live casual, cozy, comfortable Christian lives. Or, now listen to me, we can decide that Jesus is worth more than a casual Christian life. As followers of Jesus, we have been given the power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives to make a difference. This morning, I'm going to ask you this question. Is there anybody in your family, your school, your workplaces, your neighborhoods, or your world who need Jesus? Just a few of us? I want you to do something this morning. I want you to get their face and their name in your mind right now. If you think that there are people in your life that need Jesus, let me stop for a minute. We're going to, I'm just going to pause here. I want you to get their names and their faces in your mind. What are you doing to let them, let them know? What have you done to tell them about the gospel? Do you truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do you believe life on this earth does not last forever? Do you believe God made a way for us to spend eternity with him? Do you believe that Jesus is the hope of the world? 
Who have you told? Who is the person you are thinking of right now? What are you going to do to let people know this week? When will you do it? Now, where are the, the invite cards? Troy, could you just, uh, I want you and Matt grab the invite cards. Could you grab them real quick? Next week is invite a family, invite a friend. We're going to pass these out. And maybe you've thought about two people, but we could pass them out in here. Uh, pass them out. Raise your hand if you'd like to have one. Not just four, but I'm going to hold all of you accountable. How do you like that? Peter and John did. I figured I'd do the same thing. Let's put you right on the spot, right here, right now. Now, if we were bidding on something great, you might be raising your hands. Okay, that'll be that. One dollar over here, two dollar here. Oh, everybody's raising their hand now. Just kidding. Oh, okay, sold to this person. No, just kidding. I'll continue, then we'll close. As an unstoppable follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to take a courageous stand and unapologetically unapologetically point people to Jesus. Unstoppable Christians are filled with God's Spirit. They are courageous in their claims. Number three. So we heard number two was they were courageous. And I wish I had an hour because I could tell you some courageous stories. But number three says unstoppable Christians have been with Jesus. Unstoppable Christians have been with Jesus. In verse 13 of Acts 4 it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John... And realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. How many of you would say this morning, I want to lead an unstoppable life of faith? Amen. Amen. Then what you need to do is you need to take lessons from Peter and John. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. But so, so the question is, how do you do that? How do you get closer to Jesus? Watch. Spend time in his word. This is one way he communicates with us. Two, spend time in prayer. Talk to him. Have a relationship. Communicate. Three, get plugged in or stay plugged in. Or how about this? How about you get re-plugged in? Number four, maybe you need to get in a discipleship class. The church is referred to as the bride of Christ. And if you want to connect with Jesus, it just makes sense that you get closer to his bride. Hang around his people. Spend time in his word. Make time to talk to him in prayer. Then be willing to listen. Prayer is two-way communication. How much time do you spend with Jesus each week? I want you to think about this. Think of the weekly three. Now, if you haven't wrote anything down, I want you to think about this. This is called the weekly three. Commit at least an hour a week to three specific practices. One, worship. Public and privately. Two, connect. Connect in a discipleship class, a Bible study, recovery group, prayer group, mobility class, whatever it is. Come together. Encourage one another. Maybe if it's outside of this group, maybe find a place that you guys can connect. And then serve in your church or your community. Come to a place where... I think I heard Jerry and Lynn say, this is the first work day we've ever had. But why is it this was like a fun work day? This is like no other work day that I've ever been a part of. That's because we eat, then we talk, then we work. Then we eat, we talk, and then we eat, and we talk. <laughs> then we talk, and then we talk some more. Then we work, then we go back to eating again. It's the only church I know that talks and eats quite a bit. I'm just telling you. So let me get a little bit more personal for you this morning. Do you spend more time with Jesus or do you spend more time on Facebook? Do you spend more time with Jesus or do you spend more time in social media each week? I'm on social media, but I'm more convinced than ever that Satan loves it more than I do. And he loves it more than you do. Do you know why he loves it? Because social media distracts so many of us from spending time with Jesus. Social media is just one of the things that can distract us from God's holy word. If you want to change, change your day. And if you want to change, change your day. Just spend five to ten minutes with God in the morning. That will change your day. But what if you want to change more than your day? What if you also want to change your family 
What about if you wanted to change your workplace, your school, your neighborhood, or your community? I think it's about time we admit we need more than five to ten minutes a day with Jesus. Amen? A verse of the day on our phone or your inbox just will not cut it. If you think we can live a life like those unstoppable New Testament disciples in the book of Acts, with a diet of only five to ten minutes with God a day, we are deceiving ourselves. Amen? We are setting ourselves up for spiritual letdown. If we think we can spend little to no time with God and experience a big and unstoppable Christian life, we're just fooling ourselves. So I want to say this in closing. My challenge is this. I'm just as guilty. And I want you to be an unstoppable Christian because you're a part of an unstoppable community. And you've been living a life and journey with an unstoppable church because we serve an unstoppable God. And it was about seven years ago when I heard a pastor preach at pastor's conference And I'm not sure who it was at the time because it doesn't really matter. I didn't even hear him, nor did I see him. What I experienced more than anything was the power of the Holy Spirit. And he asked all of us pastors a question. How much time have you spent with God? And if you call yourself a Christian, and if you called yourself separated and sold out a man of God, how much time have you spent with him? And all I remember is where I ended up. I ended up at the front of the church, which was the big amphitheater that's there, down on my knees. I didn't care if there was any other man that was around. I didn't care what was going on. Men, women, who it didn't matter to me. I got on my knees and I said, God, I don't know you. I don't even know who you are. Because I've not even had a relationship with you. I don't pray. I don't even talk to you. I'm driving down the road. And driving down the road, I'm getting distracted by the sceneries. And so I would tell people, oh, you can pray privately in your car. Oh, hogwash. There's so much distraction. When I start praying, I start worshiping because I get filled with the Holy Spirit. And I made that commitment right there that day. God, forgive me for I've sinned before you. And so I introduce myself every morning and every evening. And I say to God, good morning, good evening. Hi, it's just Todd. It's just Todd. Hi, I'm, I'm your child. I know that the Bible says he knows the very hairs on my head and he knows my name and that he created me in my mother's womb. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I know the scripture verses and I know his promises. But I felt like I would talk to people about a relationship. And yes, I went back and started the service off when I was 18 years old and and now I'm 51. But yeah, whatever my relationship was back then, as I said to you, if this is the bride of Christ and that's his bride, where's my relationship with him? I started feeling such a sense of conviction and guilt because the Holy Spirit that I allowed to come in my life at, at age 9 and baptized at 13 and surrendered to preach at 15... My life started to change. You have to change, church. We cannot be an unstoppable force if we don't serve an unstoppable God and we don't allow the unstoppable Savior to live in us and to give us power. There are times that, yes, I have to put down the bath mat in a motel or hotel or wherever we're staying just so I can go in and close my door, even when I was with my girls and my wife and we were on vacation. That was a commitment that I made. And when I went back to that dorm room, I, I just said, God, why have I done this? And I don't know even how long I even prayed. But why have I failed you? Why have I failed you this way? Where have you failed him? Do you believe that you can be an unstoppable Christian? You can't believe that way if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit on you. So Peter and John said, you need to repent and be baptized. So what's stopping you from being unstoppable? 
Ask yourself this question. Do I need more time with God this week? Do I need to make a courageous stand? Do I need to repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins and receive that gift of the Holy Spirit? Do I need to connect in a group? Do I need to find a place maybe to serve and get connected in my community and in my church? And last, do I need to invite someone? Are you an Uber driver? An Uber driver is a mean we saw that on TikTok or somewhere. I'm not real sure. That means Uber driver, okay? There's a lot of people you can invite. We have hope. We have hope in Jesus Christ. We invite somebody this week. God has a message. Listen. Here's where it gets personal. Chris surrendered to preach years ago. Was in my youth group. He's sitting in the back of this room. He's here from the Carolinas. It's Russ's son. He had to make a change in order to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But you have to sometimes spend time. And I know you're tired. I know you're exhausted. I know life really throws you some curveballs. But I love that young man, even when he was wearing Marilyn Manson clothing and chains that were around him and black, crazy-looking hair. I took that young man under my wing and I said, I'm going to pour Jesus into his life because I'm going to love him. And we've been friends now for 30 years. Can I ask you this important question? If both of you were standing before the throne room of God, now listen to me, and your loved one was to the right of you, and he said, oh, enter into my kingdom, I know your name, I know who you are. But then he looked at your loved one, he said, depart from me, you partners of iniquity, I do not know you. You've been living a life of hell. You've been living a life of sin. Did you not hear what your friend over there told you? To repent, be baptized, to live life and walk in the Spirit? I don't want to just have a fraternity or a sorority. I want to have a community of unstoppable Christian people. If you believe that, you have a message to share. It doesn't matter. People are always going to say something negative about you. They're always going to find fault. You heard me say it earlier. When you pick up the cross of Christ, it's difficult. Sometimes life feels impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You just have to surrender to it. Do you believe that he is the potter and you are the clay? Do you believe you've been doing everything that you need to do to tell other people about Jesus Christ? And now, have you given up that habit? Have you given up that hurt? Have you given up that pain so that you can experience Jesus in an intimate way? And when this man got up off of his knees from praying, it was at that moment in my life, it was a defining moment of intimacy with my Savior Jesus Christ. Because I had to let go of Todd to get to the beginning of God. Will you do that this morning? Let's all stand. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that this morning we can come before you. Lord, we just claim your word and we thank you that we can be unstoppable Christians because we serve an unstoppable God. Even in the battle of Jericho, God, you showed that you were unstoppable. As those walls came tumbling down, there was evidence and manifestations of your power that was evident that day. And we go hundreds of years ahead as we're in the New Testament and we see that Paul and John were 
and behind bars, and yet you sent your messenger, your angel, to open up and to unlock the doors so that those that were called could continue to give the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So God, today in this room, we have many that are are still clinging on and holding on to our pride, and we're holding on to some things that maybe we shouldn't be really clinging to. But God, today I ask that you will deliver those from the bondage and the chains that have kept them down. Give them freedom and victory to live a life that only comes through your Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, we trust you today. And, and for those that are, might be in this room that may not know you as Lord and Savior, may they come to you today. May they repent and ask Jesus Christ into their heart and in their life. May they get baptized and changed from their wicked ways and live a life where there's a deeper sense of intimacy and revival and uh, a closer relationship with you. Thank you, Father, for your manifestation in our lives and for giving us the ability to preach your word and to tell others about the resurrected Christ. So this morning, God, You know your children. You know the hearts of the people in this room. God, help us to turn our radio stations to something that fills and fuels the spirit and not the flesh. Help us, Father, to open up the word and not just another book that fuels and fills up our spirit and not our flesh. Help us to connect in a community that helps us to be filled up and that it fuels our spirit and not our flesh. God, we realize you're unstoppable. Lord, we live in you and we rest in you. Oh God, help us to live a deeper and intimate life with you. And all God's people said,